The Funk Rocket Show is sponsored by Epic Merch Store, an amazing website supporting the worldwide punk rock scene where you can find tons of merch for bands like Good Riddance, Dead by Stereo, Much the Same, Kool-Aid, Friends All Rom, Useless ID, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and a lot of smaller bands that you need to discover. They've also recently added some official Tony Slime merch. You can find t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, and kids merch with exclusive designs, all with a flat rate shipping cost, which is very great. So if you're addicted to band merch like I am, go to epicmerchstore.com. Hey, 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 welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 45. My name is Emily, aka Punk Rocket, and I'm a punk rocker from Quebec City, Canada. Thank you so much for listening today. This week, my guest is Ross Rankin of Good Riddance. He's releasing a new solo album, so we talked a lot about it. We also talked about veganism, the evolution of the scene, and I asked him your questions. I also make you a recommendation for the fantastic band Citoyens from Colombia. So that's the plan for today and the show is starting right now. What's up? I hope you are doing great. Me? Hmm, nothing much. But I'm gonna travel soon in the US to see my boyfriend and his family. So I'm gonna land in Chicago and maybe stay there for a night and enjoy the city a little. So I thought it was a good timing to travel because I just got COVID so I won't be scared to spread the virus or get it again. But I know that some people got the... Omicron and Delta the same month. But I'll be careful. I just want to enjoy a little walk in Chicago and maybe a pizza. <laughs> oh, and I want to go to some vinyl record store too. Last time I went to Chicago like a year and a half ago, I bought a lot of vinyl at a fantastic shop, fantastic store. What was the name? I forgot, but it was amazing. Yeah, it's going to be good for my mood because I'm working from home. I do this podcast from home. All the shows are going to get canceled soon. So yeah, I think it would be great for my mood to travel a little. But my mood is still good. I had some <laughs> really good laugh last week watching all the memes about the When We Were Young festival. You absolutely saw that on your social medias for sure or maybe on some news. And I got some messages asking me if I'll go. And Actually, I think the lineup is incredible. Like it's back to 2006. <laughs> Tons of emo bands, pop, uh, pop punk band. Wow, 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 wow. But I don't really like that kind of festivals. I don't feel good there. Three stages, some bands non-stop all day, very short sets. Mm, I prefer smaller fests on three days. And I love to have some time to nap and go take a coffee somewhere if I want to. <laughs> But I'm old. I'm going to be 38 years old very soon. <laughs> Maybe that's why. But clearly for those who want to go, have fun. You're going to have a blast there. And have a thought for me when Paramore is playing, please. Because oh, I wish I could see that then live. But <laughs> what's really funny is that <laughs> I saw on my friend's Jan, the punk cellist um, Instagram stories that the festival is going to do another day of fest, which is good. But 
they're gonna play the same fucking lineup again. So it's gonna be the same, same, same shows and lineup twice in a row. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, okay, but yeah, have fun there, guys. I'm not judging people who go there. I just say that it's not for me. But if I had to travel for a show, I would choose oh, the amazing show in Denver with Descendants, Jawbreaker. They're gonna play Dear You in its entirely. There's also gonna be Face to Face and Sam Yam on this show. Wow. Yeah, that's my kind of travel show. And speaking of shows, who's gonna see Propaganda at the Puzza Fest in Montreal in May? Me. I love the Puzza Fest so much. It's similar to the fest in Florida for those who, who've been there. So you have like three days of festivals with a lot of shows, a lot of small bands to discover, some bigger bands too, a lot of venues. You can like go from venues to venues. You can just relax in the city. So great. I'm excited. I hope this time it's going to be true. I hope this time COVID will let us have this festival. I need this. I really need this for real. I want to make a little shout out to our new patron on Patreon, John. He's from Riverside, California, and he's a mathematic teacher. Oh, yeah. Big brain. I love that. <laughs> he loves Voodoo Glow Skulls, Ignite, Napal Death, Bad Religion, Nails, Dance with the Dead. He used to play drums in a lot of bands in the 90s, punk, ska, and metal. Yeah, welcome on board, John. If you want to join us on my little Patreon community and support the show, you can. The link is in the show notes and you have access to all my Zoom interviews, videos in advance. Also, priority questions for my guests, some behind the scenes. And I recently added a weekly newsletters with lots of music videos to watch, news to know about, etc. And it really, really helps me for the show. And for some people, if you want to subscribe for only one month or two months and just binge watch the interview videos, that's fine. You can leave after whenever you want. I'm not mad. I appreciate everything, every help you can give me, guys. It's so much appreciated. And you know what I appreciate too? Great music. Repugmentation. A few days ago, I suddenly fell in love with the band Citoyens from Colombia. Oh wow, what a great fast and melodic skate punk band. And the song that made me fell in love with this band is Noches Eternas. You can also find a music video for this song. I love it. And I'm really happy because they're gonna release a new album soon. So let's listen to Noches Eternas.
am so happy I had this conversation with Ross Rankin. He's a fantastic human. We talked about the new solo album, Come Together, Fall Apart. Why it took him so long to do a new one, a new solo album. Why Good Riddance broke up years ago. We also talked about veganism, hockey. I don't know anything about hockey, but it was fun to listen to him. <laughs> And I also asked him your questions. During the interview, you're gonna hear his solo song, Babel. 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 <laughs> And also, one of my favorite Good Riddance songs, Tell Me Why, on the way too much underrated album, My Republic. I want to do a piano vocal cover of this song, by the way. Okay, let's go, Ross. Hola. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. How's it going? I'm fine. How is Chuck? He's okay. He's okay. Everything considered, he's could have been a lot worse. Oh, okay. Yeah, Melanie told me, so I was like in shock too. So I, I hope you, I hope you're feeling good too. Despite of that, well, it's it could have been worse. So we're happy that it's not as bad, and he's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So he's still in the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's have sur he's going to have surgery today. Oh, okay. I read. I think it's Scott uh, Sean. Sorry, he said that he was making doctors laugh. So I was like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as we. Oh yeah, can he's, think, he's still Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks yeah. for for the news. So, mm -hmm. so I wanted to talk to you today mostly about uh, your solo album, but also I got a lot of questions from the listeners. I got a okay. lot of I got a lot of love for you too <laughs> okay. from listeners. So, so you're in California. You're in Santa Cruz, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good. Good. I'm sorry. I. I might cough. I still have a COVID ending <laughs> and I'm still oh, coughing. So that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> I've been coughing for a month and I, so I'm having a ginger tea, my blasting room mug. So nice. Good. So are you playing some show recently? Are you uh, for your, I think you, you're playing solo sometimes. How I had some shows booked for next month on the East Coast, and I think that those will probably get moved. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, a cat! What a beautiful yeah. cat! Mine might come a little too. <laughs> yeah. She she loves to come and be annoying when I'm doing interviews. Oh, Bosha! Nice shot. So yeah, I wanted to talk about the your solo, your new solo records, uh, come together, fall apart, coming really soon. I think when the episode will be will be released, it's gonna be like the next Friday, the twenty uh, eighth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a while since we had a solo album from you. What? Uh, yeah. So why now? And what made you decide to uh, to do another one? But nine years after the. The previous one well I, when i recorded my first solo album i really didn't know what i was doing and i was just starting to to play live play by myself solo like that and and i was excited to get a chance to do an album mm -hmm. and but then that same year my band decided to start playing again after five years mm -hmm. and we became really busy again 
and I didn't have a booking agent for my solo stuff and I didn't really aggressively pursue it. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was more uh, focused on the band. And so if somebody contacted me and said, Hey, do you want to play a solo show? I'd be like, sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I never, uh, I was never really proactive about trying to do it. And uh, that's my mistake. And I never mm -hmm. got enough of, because I, because I did it that way, I never got a good sense if it was any good or not. Oh, so I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough collective experience of like, are these songs even good? Do I know what I'm doing? Does anybody even want to hear this? Oh. And so it just sort of came into the background. Because and you so haven't I played, played it. Yeah. Because you, you couldn't see the crowd reacting to your songs live. Well, sometimes there weren't even, I, I was playing to nobody. Like I was playing yeah. to people's backs at a bar. Hmm. And so I would have some shows that were like, I, I played a show in San Diego that was really cool. And there was like a lot of people there to see me and they, and some of them even knew the songs. And I was like, wow, this is great. And then mm -hmm. I would also play, like I said, I played at a bar to, to people's backs. They were at the yeah. bar and they didn't, they didn't even turn around. Like I was talking, I was doing my whole thing. I came in there, I set up, I played, I left and nobody even looked at me. And so, and anybody that plays solo shows will tell you that that that's how it is a lot of the time. It wasn't. It's not. That's not just me. But no, I. Yeah. It's hard to get a. It's hard to get a feeling of if this is worthwhile. Like, does the world really need one more singer playing <laughs> playing solo shows? Uh, so I just never really. I never got a good sense of it. There never seemed to be a demand for it or or a desire for it from people. So if people asked me, I would do it. I had some, I had fun doing that. I like it. Uh, but that, that's why it's been so long. And that's why I never really uh, aggressively pursued it, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And you were probably busy with a lot of other projects with, with the bands, with I was hockey. busy. Yeah, <laughs> I was busy, but, I, but I'd also like had, had it caught on or, or had I maybe got a booking agent or pressed mm -hmm. to get a booking agent or, or like actively pursued playing more shows then maybe it would be a different story. I would have maybe mm -hmm. either like quit altogether or done another album sooner. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So when did you, when did you start uh, writing for this one? Or thinking about so, it? To thinking well, about I, the I wasn't topics? thinking about it. I was, during the pandemic, I was starting to kind of make rough demos of new Good Riddance songs and then mm -hmm. And um, Stefan from Spam Records had contacted me and he kept saying that he liked my first solo album a lot. He liked my songs and he liked my songwriting and he was just very complimentary. Aww. And he said that his label wanted to, he wanted to put out a solo album. Would I be interested? And I hadn't really thought about it. And oh. he was, he was persistent and he, <laughs> continued to like contact me about it <laughs> and and he said I could I'll pay for it and and uh and I knew I knew Stefan from you know our shows in Austria and I had mm -hmm. done a during the pandemic I did a like a fest for him like an online streaming thing I, I played my guitar on my couch here and yeah I remember that yeah, yeah yeah and so he I knew who he was and I know his label is is 
strong. Like he does a really good job. Yeah, he's so passionate. He was, I interviewed he, him a few months ago, and yeah, yeah, very great guy. Super passionate. Yeah, like he 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 does a really solid job with the label, and and anybody, if someone keeps telling you enough times that they love your songs and stuff, it starts to. I mean, that's always nice to hear, and so he 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 basically. I wasn't planning to do it and he he was persistent and I was like sure and so then I thought I better start writing some songs oh. and so those were all written like pretty much in a short period of time uh, once wow. I start going with, with songwriting it usually goes pretty quick hmm. and so, so I think I, I, I recorded yeah. in July the last I was still finishing things up like in the studio and I, and I had started writing probably like April or May. Hmm. So you, and since you released a good riddance album, like not so long ago, so you can't, you were you also in the process of writing for the band or you could totally focus on writing solo stuff. Once, once, Stefan, I told Stefan that I would do an album. I focused entirely on that. Mm. There's no hurry for a new Good Riddance album. I was just, mm -hmm. because it was the pandemic and I was just sitting here with my guitar all day, I was starting to kind of figure out some new <laughs> Yeah, it's new kind of a songs. good timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you didn't have any writing, any lyrics written already that you kept and you were like, oh, what can I do with it? Should I keep it for a good riddance album or maybe solo so no. you de you definitely sat down and wrote expressly for this project yes. oh so you you needed an external <laughs> uh motivation maybe to to start doing it and well, it yeah, was from like Stefan. I said, I, I, yeah. there, there, there hasn't been enough yeah at I get least it. for me yeah. to see i don't i just don't know if anybody likes it or if it's any good or so it's like hard for me to Like with my band, it's kind of a known quantity. Yeah, that's what I know. That's what's I know interesting. that if we play a show, people will come, and mm -hmm. if we put an album out, people will listen to it. Uh, with my solo stuff, it's just really hard because the shows have been so so different and small or sporadic, and so I haven't had a good chance to. Like, I don't want to do it if if it sucks. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. I think it's I interesting that you need uh, that kind of feedback first, even if you are in a well-known punk rock band. So that's that's interesting. You don't rely on the popularity of your band to decide if, if you do it or not. You know what I mean? No. Well, also, I don't do any good written songs live. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's it's I want it to be a completely separate entity. Mm -hmm. uh, I played with, like Tony is the first person that talked to talked me into doing it in the first place. Oh, and then he he's the first person that I played shows with, and he would always be telling me like, "You got to play some good written songs, man." And I was like, "I'm not going to do it." Mm -hmm. He kept he kept trying to get me to do it, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, and so because of that, like I don't want to, I don't want to market it or advertise it as something not like people will be like, Oh, cool. I can just go sit, sit here and watch Russ play good written songs. Like it's, that's not what it's going to be. So I don't want it to, yeah, mis I don't want to mislead anybody. Hmm. So I guess it's a, 
total different writing process. Am I? Is not really. It, it's like my, my writing process is this is basically the same, no matter what I'm doing. But once a once the songs are, once a song is written, then like the way that it gets fleshed out, mm -hmm. and obviously the way that it's recorded in the studio is completely different. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what are the topics you wanted to to write about for this one? Because you said you 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 started writing, but did you have already some stuff you you were thinking? I absolutely need to talk about this and this. Because you're already, I think, yeah. I think yeah. that. I mean, the the world has gone through a weird, strange couple of years, and mm -hmm. my country particularly. And it, there's a lot of stuff that that could be written about, but also, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to like take the easy way out and just write about certain people or politicians or whatever. And so it's more. I'm more interested in like the like what causes these things to happen in the first place? Like what, what's the social structure or breakdown mm. that is, that has allowed for the ascension of somebody like this person or that person. And so my, my songs tend to be more analogous or, or open to more interpretation mm. rather than like talking about a specific thing, if that makes any sense. So I, I was, I was conscious of wanting to keep, I mean, the way I write is always going to be personal relationship stuff or, or political social stuff. And mm -hmm. that doesn't change whether it's the band or, or solo. It's just how I write. And so I wanted to, I wanted to write about things like that. And so it's, it was about my, mostly about my country. Mm -hmm. And there's also a song about, um, si since I am of Irish descent, I thought it was interesting to write a song, a little bit of like Irish history that I did that I didn't know about. I did some research on and thought it was oh. thought it was cool to put put that into a song. And then in 2020, I lost both my parents. Oh, sorry. And but I was able to have really good conversations with each of them at the end. Hmm. And and it was really a profound thing for me. And so that 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 got a song as well. And then. Yeah, other than that, it's just uh, things that have happened to me or happened to people that are close to me. Mm. Oh, and you released a first single, uh, Babel. Babel, mm -hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it in English. I've heard, Babel. I've heard Babel and I've also heard Babel. I think both are correct in English. Okay, um, mm. so from, from um, your album... I think the analogy is amazing about the Tower of Babel, but what is the the deeper meaning of this song for you? Your well, it's it's about. I really I mean, like this. On, honestly, I was. What I do is I just sit here with my guitar, and I watch hockey games, <laughs> and, I, and I bang on my guitar until until like something happens. You know, like a a, a, a one chord progression follows another mm -hmm. and then and then a melody presents itself like that's how i write and hitting i hit this like hit a f chord and just somehow those the words on my way to babel came into my head and i thought oh that's that sounds really cool like i guess i better build a build a song out of this and so then 
I, uh, I did a lot of reading about the tower of Babel and that whole thing. And, and then I just thought it was interesting the way that, um, humanity used to have this, if you believe the story that humanity mm-hmm. had a common language. And then after this event, we splintered into these thousands of different languages and how that's given way to so much divisiveness and avarice and war and everything else that you can imagine. Because people so, couldn't trust each other. So they, they wanted to create more language. So yeah, that's like, what I so read. The, so like if those people are talking and I can understand them, yeah. they, must be, they must be talking about me and it's got to be bad. So, <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's about the breakdown of communication and mm-hmm. about um, how, how we def- we've drifted apart as a, as a, as a species. Mm-hmm. And these days it's pretty intense with, uh, both side of the pandemic opinions. And so it, that topic reso- resonates with me. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. it could be about a lot of other topics, but I thought about that because these days it's a, it's an issue I have in my family and the communication, it's absolutely broken. So yeah, made me thought about, about that, but we could rely about a lot of other topics too (laughs) for this. Good. So, because I was wondering if you kept your angry, your pure anger for the band and for your solo project, you would maybe be, like you said, more analysis, more, uh, interpretations, you know, I think that the, I think that there's a little bit of that. I, I try to do the same thing with the band. Like, Mm-hmm. I love the I love the Dead Kennedys, but they have so many songs that are about a specific event, and every, and every decade that event gets further and further away. And I think it, I think that it lessens the impact of the of the of the work. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to write songs that are that could be more timeless or could be open to more interpretation, mm-hmm. uh, rather rather than like specifically not allowing the listener to refer to anything other than what this song is about, if that makes sense. And I, and I do the same with the band and, and I mean, the, the song about the song about Ireland Mm -hmm. is about a specific thing that happened. But other than that, most of the songs are pretty wide open Mm -hmm. uh, and they, and they sort of are based on people's experience. Like the song last conversation That's about the, th- the talks I got to have with each one of my parents before mm-hmm. they passed away. Yeah, that's what that I could, thought but, Yeah, when it, you mentioned it. could be it. about, mm-hmm. I mean, people could listen to it and it could be about a friend or a, fa- or a family member that's going through something difficult or it could be about um, a relationship ending. It could be about a lot of things. And so just mm-hmm. because the, the initial thing that made me write that song, that's what's so great about music is when I listen to music, it's, it means something to me that may be different from when the person who wrote it, but mm-hmm. it's no less powerful or moving. Oh yeah. I think the music helps to, to put us in a mood and then we can interpret whether, uh, based to what the music make us feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the music, uh, did you produce everything yourself? Cause I love the arrangements there. I love the production so much. Thank you. Did you work alone? Uh, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, are you asking who played 
actually yeah. played on the album uh, what were you yeah and, about? and how did you wrote the music and yeah like the, the musical side of the of the album because we just talked about the lyrics and but the music is incredible like a lot of arrangement a lot of different instruments so i wonder what was your team around you or if you maybe you're a one-man band <laughs> you can do everything i don't know i mean it's it's a lot of one-man band it's Mm -hmm. it's there's a lot it's a full a lot of full days i had to do what did we do 16 songs in two weeks and so in the morning i'm for four hours i'm playing guitar acoustic guitars and then a break and then and then bill shows up and we do vocals mm -hmm. until he tells me i can't anymore and i was fortunate because I, i recorded the blasting room where i know yeah. everybody and and everybody there is really talented and so there's basically three engineers that work there that are all really good piano players. So it was easy to uh, have, have those guys go in and do some piano. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had Andrew Berlin who engineered all the guitarists with me because he lives, you know, he lives in Fort Collins and he's been working at that studio for mm -hmm. so long. He knows all the local musicians. And so we need a bowed bass player. So let's, I know this guy, we'll call him in. Yeah. pay him a little bit of money he stays there for a day and i and and i go like hey could you play this here could you play this here and then we'd had a a, a girl come in and do viola for the mm -hmm. billy bragg cover and and then a guy came in to do irish penny whistle yeah uh, for the kilkenny song other than that it was just I, i played all the guitar all the bass all the hand percussion all the electric guitar and then There was just some drums here and there, and then the piano. Mm -hmm. I feel like all those instruments and arrangement makes the album very emotional. Uh, for me, I, I listened to it yesterday and I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I had to, sometimes when I do reviews or, you know, I just listen to a band for the first time or, for, or, or uh, I listen to an album for the first time, I might do something else at the same time too, and I'm I'm okay, but when I listened to yours, I was like, okay, I put everything else down and I just listen and I just, because all those instruments together put me in that kind of mood. Just. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah very much. So, and who's the singer who does back vocals? Is there, do you have some yes vocals on it? Or you do? On the Billy Bragg cover, yeah. On the I, last I, Mar song? Yeah, Marcia, Marcia Richards from, she's in a band called The Skints hmm. from London. And we played with them at a Reading Festival a long time ago. Oh. And I just fell in love with their, with their band. They're, they play, they're kind of a mix of, of reggae, mm -hmm. which I don't particularly like. But then a lot of their stuff reminds me of the specials or the selector or Hepcat, like traditional ska. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love their music that sounds like that. And everybody in the band is really talented. So they have a drummer that sings a lot while their guitar player, Josh sings. Mm -hmm. And then Marsha sings and she plays when they play live, she plays the melodica. She plays guitar, oh, she yeah. plays saxophone, she plays oh, nice. a keyboard. Like she plays everything. And so, When I was thinking about doing this cover song, in my head, I imagined her singing that that other part because in the original, there's a there's a, a man and a woman singing, oh. 
And so I asked her if she'd be willing to do it and she was into it. And because of the way technology is nowadays, she could sing her part over there in sure. London and send the session and yeah. they drop it in and there you go. Good choice. I love this. I'm gonna. I'm um, really, really happy. It turned out great. Yeah, I'm gonna check their stuff because I absolutely couldn't guess <laughs> who it was. Yep. Um, and what's the story behind the cover art or the the concept? The what the choice you made? That was my idea. And then and then afterwards, everybody said it looked like a bad religion yeah. cover. Yeah, <laughs> the gray race. So. I th I thought it was like. That's great because it looks like it, but it's kids. <laughs> and I can't believe I didn't think of that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, that's okay. I'm not, a, I'm not a stranger to, to bad religion. So it's an I old album. Be, <laughs> I thought it would be cool to just have a, you know, just a, a grid of like pictures of, of like just children mm -hmm. because like, like what we're doing to the planet and our society and our culture right now is, is going to be, really bad for people that are going to be have to inherit it and so like the, the kids are the ones that are going to be yeah. the most fucked if, if we don't figure things out and so I, I just thought it was cool plus having like different types of kids different looking kids like come together fall apart like mm -hmm. we gotta so we gotta stop worrying about arbitrary things like gender identification and skin color and sexual preference and or sexual identity and just realize that we are just people yeah. and that we need to get along. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and I wonder if, yeah, that's, yeah, so true. Because I was like, oh, those kids look serious. Not necessarily so sad, but like serious. Yeah, they, I wanted them to look like concerned. Yeah, like, exactly. Concert is like the... Like they're looking at you going like, like, what the fuck did you guys yeah. do? Like, what? Like, this Con is what we have to, yeah. this is what you guys left us. Thanks a lot. Back in time, try to make it stop But it's persistent as the hands of a clock Where does the malice begin? The animus starts, the drift into rancor That splits us apart A slip of the tongue, a failure to be A blighted design of the fifth century And we can't reach for the sky Sing till we're spent The code has been sealed since the Old Testament On my way to Babel I'm on my way to rise Before the ashes Just because it is written Does not mean it's true But the same never suffer the few Who remain contemplating you So construct to the heavens A stone monument A fortress of linguistic entanglement Until not one soul remains In the cold cigarette Who can decipher what Genesis left to dissect On my way to Babel I'm on my way to Just because it is written Does not mean it's true But the same never suffer the few Who remain contemplating
sur de, this album will be available on Spam, of course. I think also on Curse Blessings. Yes. And uh, uh, Satan. Cool. On January 28. I have some, I have a lot of questions from the listeners. Great. Uh, okay. Um, are you planning to go to South America eventually? I have a lot of listeners from South America. They're amazing. They are so passionate about punk rock. And that question uh, was a lot. Was a lot. I got a lot of those ones. Like to do solos, to do solo songs? Solo or with yeah. good riddance. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. And, and our band, like we, we just played Costa Rica. That's more Central America, but um, yeah. we played Brazil one time mm. and we've been trying forever to, to play other places in South America and it just never, never works out. And uh, it sucks because we we've wanted to do that for years. So hopefully one of these days. Yeah. Okay. Anna wants to know if only crime is still alive and if there is something new we can expect from it. Only crime is still alive. And we, we have a, an ongoing group text that's very lively. Oh. And I think it's just a matter of finding time with everybody's schedule oh, and nice. travel and stuff to, to get together. And everybody wants to write new songs or at least get together and jam and, and play music. So I wouldn't be surprised, oh. but, I, but I couldn't tell you when. Okay, good. No, that's fine. But it's in the air, maybe. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of questions like, about um, some important things for you, uh, like veganism, uh, being straight edge. I think you are an inspiration for a lot of people. Uh, and someone wants to know how long have you been vegan? I think it's been a long time. And was there a particular event or something precise that made you take this decision back in the days? I went vegan in 1993. Wow. And I'd been vegetarian for like a year or two mm -hmm. because of, I read a book called Diet for New America by John Robbins that somebody suggested. And mm. I had been looking into <clears throat> vegetarianism just because of, because of punk and hardcore music. Mm. Um, I, because like Youth of Today put out a song called No More. And it was like one of the first bands that were singing about the first bands that I was listening to that were singing about animal rights it wasn't such a popular subject back then. And because I liked the band, I, I, I took it seriously. And I, and then Gorilla Biscuits came out with that song cats and dogs. And then there was a hardcore zine magazine called no answers. Hmm. And there was a big piece in there about, about animal rights that I read that was really profound and had a big effect on me. This all happened around a short period of time. And, and so I was vegetarian and I was like, yeah, I want to go, I want to be vegan, but it's so hard. And, mm -hmm. and so I was hanging out and we were on tour in Seattle and this friend of mine, who was a really gnarly, hardcore, straight edge vegan guy. Oh. He basically hung out with me one afternoon and, and one by one, he broke down every one of my excuses for why I wasn't vegan. And I had no, I had no, um, yeah, rebuttal. I had nothing I could say. And so it, it turned out that it turned out that if I, if I cared about animals, which I claimed to do, that that was the, the, the only real 
logical step. And that was, that was the decision that I made. Oh, so it was in the 90s. And it, back in the 90s, how would you, how did you picture like those years now about that? Would, would you expect more progress about it? Are you... And it's now, hard because it, it, there's there's so much progress. It's mm -hmm. so it's so much easier than it used to be, yeah. and it's so much more mainstream. And it's not a it's not a fringe or strange concept anymore. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's just still there's just still so so much. Uh, yeah, I, it's I struggle. I struggle because. Mm -hmm. I, I think about the progress and I think about how much easier it is and how much, like I just, all the things I just mentioned, but then I just, yeah. I just see people still being okay with hurting animals and then teaching their kids to do it. And it just makes me sad. And, and also like, I, I'm not the person that's should be able to, I'm not trying to tell other people what to do. It's like, mm -hmm. I just want everybody to like come to their own, moment in their heart where they realize that like I love animals and I don't want to hurt them anymore like I just wish that that would happen and I don't want to be one of those people that's yelling at carnists and um so it's 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 heartbreaking for me it's still I struggle a lot oh yeah but it's for as a vegan it's definitely easier today for sure mm -hmm. yeah but sometimes we're like I I know there's progress and it's, we can put it about other topics like feminism, racism, etc. But sometimes we're like, yeah, there's some progress, but I'm still well, pissed. The worst is, <laughs> I mean, the, the main thing is uh, the climate, like the planet, mm, yeah, that like the health of the planet. Like that's, that's something that we can't, we can't go back and fix later. Like, and it's, I have mm. conversations with people where like, I, you know, I would do anything to, to stop climate change and then you tell them the easiest thing to do and like well i want anything but that mm -hmm. and it's 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 a frustrating conversation to have but again like we we can't uh i can't tell people how to live their lives and i don't want to if somebody gave me the power to force people to be vegan i wouldn't i think people have to come to it on their own and i think that most people in their heart of hearts Are, are compassionate and caring. And I think that it's just their generations of culture and advertising and billions of dollars have mm -hmm. been spent to prop up this facade of, of, um, carnism yeah. uh, being okay or be, being somehow natural <laughs> and, or, and, or healthy. And I think that that's just got to get smashed little by little. And so people will, the little, that veneer will strip away and people will see what it actually is that they're doing. Like I know for me, I didn't know for so for a long time. Uh, I just did what they took people. What I, I did what advertising and sure. culture mm -hmm. and tradition told me to do. And once I learned what was, what I was really supporting, I, I couldn't in good conscience continue mm -hmm. to participate. And so it was like, once, once I knew better, I had to do something. Once I knew what was going on, I had to do something different. I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. And so, Uh, but everybody has to come to that moment in their, in their own way. Yeah. And so I just, but I just don't know that it's going to happen in the numbers and in the time that is necessary for our planet. That makes me sad. 
Yeah, I think that a lot of people knows about those things. They they agree with, like you said, we don't have a lot of. Uh, there's no reason not to do it, but the problem is sometimes that a kick in the ass <laughs> to do it. What do you know? Do you have any tip for someone who? Okay, I agree with everything. It is the thing to do. Why can't I do it? Like. What does it take, you know? You just have to make a decision. Yeah. And for a lot of times, for a lot of things, it's like, watch. And also, like, when I went vegan, there wasn't, I couldn't just go on Netflix and watch oh, no. five uh, yeah. awesome animal rights documentaries. <laughs> like, you can watch these documentaries and, it, and it'll, it'll fucking break your heart. Oh, it'll yeah. make you cry. Oh, yeah. And, and you'll have a really, really hard time uh, eating that burger again the next time. It's really, you're going to, it's, it's not going to be the same. You may be, you may keep doing it, but it, you won't be enjoying it the same as you once did. And so I would, con I would just urge people to educate themselves. Uh, there's plenty of great documentaries online to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and also like it used to be when I went vegan, you had to go to like, to get the stuff you wanted, you had to go to like the weird hippie co-op <laughs> market somewhere or whatever, like nowadays, every single chain grocery store in North America has everything you need. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. some, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, sausages, bacon, yeah. uh, milk, creamer for your coffee, ice cream, cookies. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so, and that, that's, if you want to be, you know, eat like eat junk, And a lot of that stuff is a little bit more expensive, but, but mm. I mean, people tell me like, Oh, it's, eat <coughs> I can't Sorry. be vegan because yeah. it costs too much money. I'm like, has rice and vegetables. Become yeah. And beans and lentils suddenly, <laughs> suddenly become more expensive in the last few years. Cause I, uh, it really, it really is what it's what you make it, you know? And I think that, and there's so many great resources online mm -hmm. with um, recipes and stuff. Like I can't cook. So it's that's not me, but like for people that like to cook, they can go nuts, but they go vegan. Like they can suddenly try to veganize all their favorite dishes and yeah. make all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's a really good time to make that change right now. I mean, it's not only dire for the planet, but it's, it's easy to do and fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And if you, if someone lives in a big city, there are probably a lot of vegan restaurants everywhere. In big city, in smaller cities, in suburbs, sometimes it's harder to find. But usually, there's a lot yeah, of but if, options. I don't know. I think I think that if convenience is is your north star, you're in trouble already. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think I think for like for me, like it wasn't easy to go vegan, <laughs> but I wasn't willing to keep hurting animals. Like I just wasn't willing mm -hmm. to do it. I, I would have done whatever it took. Uh, it, it's not like that now. You can have the you can have the best of both worlds. You can help animals, and it's just it's even easier than it than it ever was. Mm. No matter where you live. Very good point. And we talked about if sometimes you're sad or mad because. And someone asked if you feel that punk rockers specifically are still political, or is it disappointing sometimes to see that some punk rockers just wants to listen to the music and they don't really necessarily 
dive into the topics, you know? You've What do you think? I I don't I think that we're all in trouble if I get to be the person that decides how people participate in punk rock. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I I was always drawn to the politics of it. I was always drawn to that from the very beginning. Dead Kennedys, crass mm. conflict, bands like that, subhumans. Um that always really just appealed to me. But there's a lot of people that just want to uh cut loose and have a good time and dance with their friends and mm -hmm. I think that there's there has to be room for for all of it as long as it's there's you know I'm, I'm not I'm not into racist music or sexist mm -hmm. music or misogyny or any of that stuff but short of that I, I don't know that anybody has to follow my rule book yeah no no I get it I understand but I, I have an example like everyone in punk rock are totally uh they want more women on the stage for instance no nobody is against that okay and everyone is like yeah we need to see more women we need to support bands with women or people of color or like lgbtq but then we see some festivals with only cisgender white male on the stage and people are like oh it's gonna be cool and sometimes Some people feel like, are we still hungry at those things? Are you ready to make a real change? Or we are just saying that we want the things to change. Sorry, my English sucks. So sometimes I have trouble. No, your, English, your English is great. I understand. <laughs> I understand everything. So that's why I, maybe that's why this person asked this. And I also want to know. Well, it's, it's a, your question is, has a lot of layers to it because. Yeah. <laughs> For for like so, I'm a I'm a cis white male, mm -hmm. and and there's nothing I can do about it. No, and so my job my job is to be like, how can I how can I not make it suck for other people? Mm -hmm. And so, like I used to, I the irony was not lost on me either. Going, I would go to see like these hardcore shows. I'd go to see like Instead, No for an Answer, Youth of Today, and it's like a whole club full of of white young white dudes mm -hmm. thinking about sexism and racism and how bad it was like the irony was was not lost on me in in those moments it's like it's a great it's it's a great thought and it's a great intention yeah. but are you allowing space for these other people to participate and so i think that most of the people that i know in punk like peers of ours like other bands mm -hmm. For, for, for whatever reason, generational or whatever, we're, we're all, almost all of us are cis white males. Yeah. And it's that being said, we, it's not a bad all, thing. We, we all, <laughs> we all, we all, we all agree that, that if you're going to say that you want to stop sexism and racism and these other things, then what, what you can do is make room for people who mm -hmm. don't look like you make room for people that don't love like you. And, and, mm -hmm. and so that's what we try to do. And so I think that there's only so much like, like it's hard. It's hard because being, being what I am, like I'm, yeah. I'm like the enemy, I'm the enemy. No. And also I don't you. have, no, but I, I'm saying no, like, I, I don't understand. have any, I don't have the struggles that a lot of people have. And so it's hard to identify with a lot of people, but I, I do see it. 
and I do, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy when I'm happy when there's space for other people and other voices. Yeah. And I remember, uh, Chuck and I years ago, we went to see bikini kill here in Santa Cruz. They oh, played yeah. at like a, they played like a vets hall and they wouldn't start playing until all the boys had gone to the very back and all the girls were in the front. And the guys were just screaming at him, calling him like dykes and bitches and like all this horrible stuff. Holy shit. And yeah, it was really bad. Fuck. And, but they weren't, and, the, and the, a lot of the girls were like not really feeling like they didn't want to be put on the spot maybe, or they were, they were just un, not used to this dynamic, but the band wouldn't start until <coughs> oh. all the girls were in the front and all the guys were in the back. And me and Chuck looked at each other and we were like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, how long did it take? <laughs> it took a while. But oh, it was, they shit. finally they finally did. <laughs> and then and then you just had these these girls just going fucking crazy. And they had their they had their own space and they had a they had a band that was like promoting it. Wow. And it was a really cool it was a really cool thing to see. And so I'm I've always been a fan of that and I was Yeah. I was radicalized in the, especially in the early nineties by a lot of the bands of music I was listening to because as a cis white, as a cis white male, I grew up with a lot of like just ignorance and I didn't know what it would be like to be in somebody else's position. Oh, so, me, me too. I feel, I mean, I'm a woman, but, but being able, yeah, I, but listening, you know, listening to music and, and, and being able to hear other people's stories and their journeys and, and being able to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes. It, it really yeah. opened my eyes. And it was, I'm grateful for those uncomfortable moments. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm grateful for the music that, you know, listening to bands like Spitboy, Iconoclast, uh, all the Abolitions record stuff, Born Against, Iconochrist, uh, even even like industrial hip hop bands like, like Consolidated really had a huge, huge impact on me. Oh. Kind of like waking me up and giving me a kick in the ass. And so I'm grateful for all of that. It's, it's informed my, my sort of worldview going forward. Cause I can't change what I am, No. but I can change. I can change what I do and, and I can, and I can work to make space for people that haven't been provided the space that they deserve up till now. Yeah. But even me, I've been hosting a radio show and I do weekly playlists since 2004 and It's pretty recent that I started to to really think about my playlist. Okay, I want to be inclusive because before I would take the listeners' requests and I, I wouldn't think about those things, you know? So it's like I had to think about my own work. So like you said... It's, it's, it's good. It's good because yeah. it, it, if, you're, if we're open, like I think being, being punk makes us a little more open-minded or it mm -hmm. should... And so we're able to kind of step back because punk really and hardcore is just, it's a microcosm of society. It's got the same, mm -hmm. the same things wrong with it, but we have the opportunity to step back and take a look at how we are participating. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a total cliche to say ally, but like, that's really, you know, people like me, like that's, that's my place now. Like I can, I mm -hmm. can just keep going on like I was, or I can, I can stop and realize that something's happening here and make space for other voices and other people that have been underserved and underrepresented for, for generations. Mm. And you, you, you had, you mentioned, I think the key is to accept, to be uncomfortable and uncomfortable sometimes. 
Yeah, like it's it's not <laughs> consolidated has a song called "Typical Male," and mm-hmm. if you're if you're a dude and you think that there's nothing wrong with you, and you listen to that song, you're it's gonna you're gonna feel uncomfortable. But it's important. It's an important song to listen to, and it's important to reflect on for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a game changer, and it, it has informed um, my interactions with women uh, ever since. Yeah. Mm. I have a lot of questions about Aki, of course. Um, so I don't know anything. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Actually, I don't. So <laughs> I will listen to your answers, and I would be like, okay, but I don't know Aki that much. You live in, do you live in Montreal? In Quebec City. Oh, okay. So um, here was the Nordic, the Nordic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're gone. Now you have. Now you have the rampart. Yeah, les remparts. Yeah, of course, les remparts. Sometimes I have to cancel my radio shows because on air they play a, they play a hockey game of the remparts. <laughs> It's fine. But a lot of people ask, um, how do you manage your work in hockey? You're a, a recruiter. Is that the word? Scout. <laughs> Scout. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the band, because I mean, you're working a lot in music too. So how do you manage all of this? I, I just have to have a really good handle on my calendar. <laughs> uh, and it's before the pandemic, it was, I had, a, I had a pretty good sense of it. I just have to, luckily with the band, like we know very far ahead of time what, what we have booked. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, my scouting is just California. So it's driving down to Southern California a few times a year. And mm-hmm. then there's two oh, or three okay. tournaments There's California State Championships, USA Hockey, Pacific District Championships that I have to go to every year. And those always happen around the same time. So it's easy for me to block those dates out mm-hmm. so, the, so the band doesn't book anything. Because we, our band, we have a shared <coughs> calendar so that oh, yeah. Very if somebody's useful. got like a wedding they have to go to or something, something they put it in there so that we know that we can't book anything that time. So. Uh, I was able to, I had a pretty good handle on it. And then the pandemic happened and I didn't yeah. do fucking anything for a year. And now I'm scrambling to try to figure out how to do it again. Uh, but so far, so good. Okay, cool. And <laughs> someone asked if you would like to start a hockey podcast because <laughs> you would be very good at it. <coughs> I thought about it. I don't know that I would have the I don't know if I'm willing to put in the time. Yeah, it's a lot of time. I did. But... I did an Instagram live once during the pandemic to talk about hockey, and nice. There was like 90 people that jumped on, and it, it was pretty. It was it was fun, but it was a lot. And so that's why I would. That's what I imagine it's like having a podcast. So I'm, I'm not sure. Could be like a monthly podcast or some. Yeah, but there, there's already so many. Like, like, like it's like. Yeah. Like playing solo, like does the world doesn't need another singer with an acoustic guitar. The world doesn't need another another dummy that thinks he knows something about hockey to have a podcast. Like, I, I don't know. No, I relate to that. I, that's the question I've been asking myself before starting this shit. <laughs> um, and how did you end up being a scout? That's a new word I, I just learned today. <laughs> well, I, I always wanted to work in hockey. And all of my friends would... Because in California, it's not like very, it's not that popular. Am I wrong? <laughs> don't, like I told you, I don't know. I don't know well, anything. So, so when I was, you know, I'm, I'm really old. So when I was young, 
it, it was not popular. Yeah, in California. I, I fell in love with the game because of the Winter Olympics and watching the <laughs> oh, U.S. Yeah. team. And uh, I just loved the speed and the color and the violence. Mm. And it, it reminds me a lot of punk rock. And, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I fell in love with the game and I just studied it as much as I could. And when ESPN would have games on TV, I would watch them. And, and then in 1988, Wayne Gretzky got traded from Edmonton down to LA and then it became really popular in California after that. Mm. Like it was suddenly LA Kings games, which before you, you couldn't even give tickets away. Like now it's like they're sold out and everybody wants to go. And all the, all the movie stars are there. Like Wayne Gretzky going to LA changed everything Mm. for hockey in, in this, in, in Southern, in California for sure. And so but anyway, so like years go on, go on and like, I'm just, I'm a huge hockey nerd and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And I watch whenever I can. And all my mm-hmm. friends are, are sick of me talking about it because nobody else cares. And, <laughs> and, and they're all just like, dude, you should work in hockey. Cause you just, you, you never stop talking about it and, uh, and all this stuff. And then, uh, fast forward 2005, 2006, I was, I took an online course about being a, a GM or a scout. It's called this company called sports management worldwide. And that was pretty cool. It's like eight week online course. And I learned a lot of stuff. And I basically, what I got out of it was that, that I kind of do know what I'm talking about and I probably could do this, but then I still, it's still hard to get in. Hockey's a very closed network of people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard it's really hard to get in, especially if you're, you never played, you live in California, you have neck tattoos. (laughs) So, uh, but what happened is I had a friend who had played in the NHL who uh, was also a good riddance fan. And we we were Mm. good friends. And he also happened to be part owner of a team in the Western hockey league called the Kootenai ice. And, and also right around that time, because of Wayne Gretzky came in 88. Mm-hmm. So like suddenly kids that were being born and like getting, getting older kids would always be going to play baseball or basketball or football. Now they all wanted to play hockey. And oh. so the, the hockey uh, youth <clears throat> hockey in California, the level got, got higher and higher because these athletic kids, mm. now they want to play hockey and the tier programs like the, like the high end programs are recruiting coaches from, from Quebec or East or Eastern Canada or Massachusetts, or, you know, they're, they're recruiting really good coaches. So suddenly the, the players that are growing up and learning to play hockey in Southern California, suddenly there's actually really good players. And some of those players are finding their way up to the Western hockey league. And so this all, this was all happening around the same time. And so my friend called his, the GM of his team and he said, Hey, I got a buddy in California. He wants to get into scouting. Um, I'll vouch for him. I think he knows what he's talking about. Would you be interested in having him scout? Oh. And from our GM, who's like, well, that's cool because California is starting to produce players. Yeah. It saves me having to send somebody down there. Uh, I can have this guy go watch games. So that it was a good, I was in the right <laughs> place at the right time. And oh. I was able to get my foot in the door uh, with the Kootenai Ice. And I was with the Kootenai Ice for five years. In 2011, we won the Western Hockey League Championship and went to Memorial Cup. Didn't win, but it was a pretty cool, pretty cool. We won the, we won the league 
and and then after five years i wasn't really i learned a lot there but that team was very sort of alberta saskatchewan centric like there wasn't a lot of interest in the players that i was finding and so i felt like i was sort of spinning my wheels and so i made a change and started working for the tri-city americans and that's who i work for now Hmm. all of this with neck tattoos (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) good also being being vegan it's a strange oh it's a it's it's not really a common and also not not drinking beer Um, oh shit i haven't thought about that (laughs) it was funny we'd go so when i worked for kootenai so every the western hockey league is basically the western provinces of canada so manitoba to bc and then there's teams in oregon and washington So that's our territory. So we have scouts. There's me down here, but then all the other scouts are in Canada. So mm. there's like a couple guys in Manitoba, a few guys in Saskatchewan, a few guys in Alberta, so on. And then at training camp, the end of August, I would fly up to Kooten, to the to Cranbrook, BC, where our team was, and we'd have basically train all the all the staff would be there together mm-hmm. for training camp. So we'd be at the rink all day. And then we'd go out at night to a, like a restaurant or whatever. And, and uh, all the guys are like laying into like, you know, T-bone steaks and <laughs> just beer after beer after beer. And like, I, I would have French fries and like water. Yeah. And the, the GM was always joked that I was, the, that I was great for the budget uh, because <laughs> I didn't have to spend any money on, <laughs> to spend any money on me. Wow. And they would give me, they'd give me a hard time, but nothing, nothing really bad. They would just joke around and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then the, that was with Kootenai. And then with Tri-City, uh, our staff is a little bit older, a little, we don't do as much, they don't do as much, um, partying mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, like every, everybody's pretty cool. Like whenever we go out to eat, everybody's always like, is there, is there anything for you here, Russ? Like, are you good? Are you, are you, and if oh, good. So like every, everybody looks out for me and, um, Oh, that's nice. Pretty cool, pretty cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Maybe two or three quick questions. So, uh, David sure. wants to know who is your best friend in the punk rock scene, and why, or one of the best friends. I never asked this question. I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, I, I mean, one of my best friends. One of my best friends is also has been in, has been in bands and we've been in bands together. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Joe, and he lives here in Santa Cruz. And we were in a band together called Fury Sixty Six a long time ago. Hmm. And he still does music. Oh, uh, not as not as much, um, but he's probably like I would consider him one of my best friends. Uh, nice. That's a good question because it's it's like I know I'm I'm friendly with so many people from all over the place now from touring mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, so there's there's a lot of guys that I know that yeah probably a that lot. I consider that I consider my friends that were, have like minded ideals to myself and but mm. it's not like we because they live three thousand miles away it's I can't it's not like we can go hang out so. It's, it's different. Like I don't have a lot of, 
Yeah. So probably Joe would be the only person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm friend. I'm friends obviously with my, my bandmates that yeah, live here in Santa sure. Cruz. Chuck, I, I see Chuck more than I see Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Sean lives in Santa Barbara, which is not, you know, it's a few hours away. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of far. Okay, cool. Um, why did the, the band split a few years ago? You talk about it a little. Uh, and how was it to to end this hiatus after and, back, and be back together? Well, we, we put out a pretty big press release when we stopped playing. We explained it, but just pre- like we were we were uh, music was changing mm-hmm. and we could sort of see it around us and uh, we had been on tour with bands that were like older and better and longer than us that we mm-hmm. watched um, like we watched bands that sort of decline like not decline in their playing but like suddenly there's like we're opening for bands and they're the shows are smaller and smaller and and we didn't we, we just didn't want to be that band you know it we, was wa- we wanted to have the huh? 2007 8 something like that we stopped uh, in 2007 yeah yeah okay yeah i remember mm-hmm. so we but we didn't want to we wanted to have the good sense to like know when it was our time to to stop we didn't want to we didn't want to be that band that like People were like, why don't they fucking stop? Like, yeah, they're done. They're done, you know? And so we were conscious of that because we'd seen it happen to other bands. And then also it was clear that music was changing around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, things were like music was changing and style was changing. <laughs> and we were not willing to change how we looked or how we sounded. Yeah. And so that was part of it. We put out an album called My Republic that we all thought oh was pretty cool, but so nobody good. bought it. I and know. We on, so underrated. We went, on, we, went on tour, we went on tour and nobody came and we we're like, okay, <sighs> I see what's happening here. And so we decided to, and yeah. that, that was, that was the, like the business side of it. Mm-hmm. What also had happened was in 2002, Luke decided to go back to, to university to get his degree And which is a tremendous, took a tremendous amount of his yeah, time. Totally. And so we, we were touring nonstop before that. And so we had to stop, mm-hmm. basically stop. And because we had to basically stop, we all were, had to do, find other things to do to, to make a living. And so yeah. we all got other jobs. And then, and then guys in the band were having children around that time as well, mm-hmm. which, which takes a lot of time. And mm-hmm. of course, sure. and so, You don't want to be in tour for six months while your, you know, your wife's at home with, with a, a baby. A baby. Yeah. So those oh. are all things that factored into it. Uh, <laughs> we all had other careers or, or jobs. Uh, we had guys in the band had small children at home mm-hmm. that they wanted to, to be around for. And so it was just a lot of those things all together. And we, we, we thought it would be better to be, to be proactive And to walk away with some grace and some dignity mm-hmm. and to just not be, not be that band that, that wouldn't quit, you know? And so that's what we decided to do. Oh. So it wasn't like we had a fight and broke up. It was like, <laughs> no, we just I knew that. A, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, but... we, we made a decision that like that, that part of our lives was, was over. We were all moving on to other things. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's what, that's what we did. Hmm. That's so, I can't believe that. Yeah, you're right. My, my Republic, I think was underrated. My, one of my favorite song ever is tell me why of your of good riddance. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, in my I thought I thought it was good three. too. That that's that, you and me. That's two of us that liked it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and how was it to start a band again after? Like you, you did you did you think like okay, we made a mistake? Oof, I'm very happy we're back. Or you were like a little scared how the energy would I, I be. Didn't, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. Oh, um, I, I would get I would get approached by other people in the band every several months. <clears throat> uh, we would get offers to go to Europe and play like a festival for like right. silly amounts of money. And I didn't, I wasn't interested in any of it. And um, Stefan of Zbam called you. <laughs> no, joking. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't, I was just, I, I was done. Like I was yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. moving forward and, and So that was what that was going on. And then I think finally that I had a meeting with Chuck and Luke, we went and got coffee and they convinced me to practice one mm. time. And <clears throat> so let's practice and see, because it turns out that like by that point, people's kids had grown older. Yeah. People were established enough in their jobs where they would be able to take time off. This was like five years and, after. And so yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we all missed, we, we all missed playing the songs uh sure so we we i agreed to practice <clears throat> and the practice was fun so we thought we'd play a festival so we did grows rock see it we're going to see how that goes we just like it was like these little small things like let's do this and see how it is and then let's do this and see how it is and that's what we've been doing ever since and it's it's just been a lot of fun and i think that mm. removing ourselves from the this grind of like album tour, album tour. And then I was always comparing us to like other bands and <laughs> oh, yeah. in my head and like, Oh, are we, are we doing as well as this band or that band? Or like, are we, mm -hmm. I don't know, just this crazy things in my head that I did to myself. That, I mean, it was nobody else. And mm -hmm. removing that whole thing makes, makes it more fun because now it's not like, we're not trying to climb the next mountain. It's not, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter uh, how many people this band had at that same venue last week. It doesn't matter anymore. Like our, our place in music history, our little place is like, it is what it's going to be. It's not going to, it's not a big deal. Like we, we had a good run. We did really well. We were very fortunate and we worked really hard. And, and now it's more like we'll be, we'll be in like, we were, we just did a show in Costa Rica and it's like, you get to like sit there mm -hmm. and look around with your, these, these dudes that you've been, you know, sweat and <laughs> cried with and like been to war with and like look around and be like, look what we get to do. You guys, yeah. this is, this is pretty fucking cool. Like we're, we're some lucky motherfuckers. And so <laughs> that's kind of what it's like to play now as wow. before it was like, almost like I couldn't see, how fortunate we were because I was so caught up in like stupid stuff in my head. And like, for me now it's way more enjoyable because mm. there's not really any pressure. Like, of course we want to, we want to play well. We want to do a good show. Sure. We want people to have an awesome time, but, but like, I'm not concerned about it. 
the way that I used to be. And it's more about like just feeling really fortunate to get a chance to play music with these guys. Oh, that's a real liberation. Like you're free from to is, toxic yeah. Uh, thoughts. Yeah. You're the first one who talked to me about that. I never, because we're sometimes we think that comparison is more between women, but no. And we need to talk more about those things, I think. Mm. Well, I mean, there, everything that's important in life. Totally. Gorilla, Gorilla Biscuits already wrote a song about it. And so there's a song called Competition by mm. Gorilla Biscuits. So, oh. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like, um, and it's totally, manu it was manufactured in my head. Like nobody, there wasn't really any competition going on, really. Mm -hmm. I just, things I made up in my head. There's space for like, everyone. We, we but have to be, have to be relevant. We have to be, there has to be more people at the show than last time. Uh, there, this band that we considered that we're bigger than, we have to make sure that there's more people at our show than their show. Just stupid stuff. And so... Mm. Uh, that's that's what was driving me for a lot of years and I wasn't unable to to really enjoy mm. the opportunity and what we're doing and so now that that's all gone away we just are like let's play a kick-ass show and let's have yeah. fun and let's enjoy this like let's be grateful that we're all here you know and especially like you know life's short and so we've been really fortunate and um The fact that anybody still wants to see us play, like we're super grateful and and we love it. Ah, uh, yeah, good. I have a last question for you. It's a funny one. I don't even know if you will remember that, but some it's Sam. Uh, he's he's asking <laughs> what kind of vehicle only crime was touring in around 2007. So he said his old band played with only crime, and you guys rolled up in a van, half box truck kind of thing. <laughs> You remember that one? Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That was the. <laughs> was that with Descendants? Did you share it with Descendants? He's, he wasn't sure about that. Yeah, it was the same thing they used to travel in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it was I don't know. I can't picture it in my in my head, but was it like? Yeah, it was. It was not really that. There were bunks in there and a lounge, but the oh. shot like it was designed not to carry people. <laughs> okay. Like it was a box truck. It's for moving like furniture and stuff. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. So like the shocks were like, <laughs> were like, it was like not, it was, I don't know. It was, it was the best that we, that we had and we had bunks so we could sleep. So that was good. Yeah. That's yeah. all you need for a yeah. tour life. Thank you so much, Ross. It was an amazing conversation. You, you were very generous with me, with the listeners. So I can't wait to, for your solo album to be released and... I hope you can tour a little in the next months, even I hope COVID will be over and we all can hang out at shows. That would be nice. That yeah. Would be cool. Thank you. Thank you very much.
for listening. I love you guys. I want to say big thank you to Epic Merch Store because they are very generous to support the show. Also, Scott Alquist, thank you for your help and the edit. Thank you, Caroline Morin, for her amazing visual work for the show. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on your favorite platform. You can tag your friends on my Instagram post. You can also give it a review on iTunes and now on Spotify. On the next episode, you're going to hear the conversation I had with the photographer, Jerry Oliver. He's taking shots of bands like Get Dead, NoFX, Strung Out and a lot more. And it was really fun to know more about his passion and his experience in the scene. He's a great guy. Until then, you know what to do. Punk your life and see you next week.